our passage today is Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you know, if you've read the word and read Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 is one of those passages where it's like, whoa, Philippians chapter 3. I mean, that's like 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It's like 23rd Psalm. It's like Romans 8. It's one of those big, big passages of scripture. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we stand, sometimes we don't. And I, I can't have us read this without honoring the Word of God. This is such a profound passage of Scripture. So please stand with me in honor of the Word of God as we read through Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. (laughs) For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God 
is their belly. (laughs) And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. God bless the reading of his word. You can have a seat. Join me in prayer. Father God, we give you praise and honor and glory. Those words are the words of God. They might have been scribed from the hand of Paul, and he might be talking about his life, and he might be talking about his journey and his pursuit, but when we look at this, it is just deadpan obvious that that was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. That is the words of God speaking to us right now, God. And you tug on the deepest parts of our hearts in this message, please, God. Move us to the place where we can Look at the example of Paul and truly follow in that example that, God, we would count everything loss compared to the surpassing knowledge of you. God, I ask that um, in this message that you'd take us where you want to take us and uh, that you would lead us where you want to lead us. And then on this journey that we are on currently as a church, that you would take us right into the heart of this passage and this book, that you would lead us to the depth of the joy of the Lord. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So anybody ever watch uh, Aladdin? Ever see that movie? Anybody ever see that? It's an animated movie. When, When I was a kid, I saw Aladdin, and I laughed and laughed and laughed at this movie. Aladdin is about this genie, this little cartoon genie. If a genie showed up here today and could grant you not three wishes, just one, you can't wish for more wishes. You can't wish for, like, unlimited money. There's no trickery or manipulation of the system. You just, there's one thing that you want right now. What is it? What would you, what would you ask for? You know, uh, it's something real kind of practical. Maybe get those bills paid off. Uh, Maybe it would be uh, refinishing of a room in your house. You know, maybe it would be a new car or uh, something. I don't know. What, just, just one thing that a genie could give you. You know, what is it? And may, I mean, maybe it's, it's something as deep as a relationship restored or someone you love uh, being healthy uh, or whatever. You know, maybe it's something like that. Whatever that thing is, I want you to imagine that you received that right now. We all know that it wouldn't satisfy us for the long haul, right? There's no way that whatever the thing is satisfies us for the long haul, something that a genie can give us. But I, but I want us to think about, like, how long would it make us happy? How long do you think the happiness of that thing would last? Think about that one thing, whatever it is, you know, just something. And, and it's th- no Sunday school answers to this thing. You know, just like straight up, like what would be fun and make you happy, you know, to have, have this thing taken care of? And then how long would the, the happiness last? And try to imagine just how long it would last. Have you ever had a, one of those moments where you buy something? And this is the, the trap of materialism, but this has happened to me for sure, where I buy something 
And the only thing it really made me do is want to buy something else. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me before where I bought something, and then almost before I, it made me think about the next thing that I'm going to buy. And I'm like, you know, I was kind of pretty happy before I bought that thing, and now that I bought this thing, it makes me want to buy something else. Has that ever happened to you? That's definitely happened to me, and maybe I'm the only one who's, who's dealt with that. Um, or if you accomplish something. There's something that you wanted to accomplish. Yesterday, uh, or uh, Friday, we came back from conference, and our house, it was like a rainforest. I mean, you guys must have got a ton of rain while we were gone. Everything was green and lush and had grown like shoulder high. <laughs> we were like, whoa, we got a lot of work to do. So we spent the day as a family, like, working and trying to catch up on, the, and, uh, on, on stuff around the house and everything. But it's funny because sometimes I get one thing done, and instead of feeling a sense of, like, accomplishment, it just made me think, like, oh, I have all this more I have to get done. And instead of, like, celebrating the fact that you, have you ever done that where you get one thing done and all it makes you do is I got to get more done. I got to get more done. There's this thing that happens with stuff and with our world where the happiness of an accomplishment or of receiving something, it's so quick. It's so quick how, how short and fleeting that moment is. It, it goes so fast. And sometimes, even though the thing promised to give me joy, the speed at which it moves is so fast that I don't even get the joy that was promised to me from that thing because I never stopped to actually even enjoy it. And I was already on to the next thing, you know? And it could be a great blessing, but I don't even get to receive the joy of it or I don't stop to receive the joy of it. This is uh, where Paul starts this passage. And I love this. He, this first word, finally. Finally. Like, I've been talking and I've been talking, but finally, I'm going to tell you this. Or like, there was this and there's this. And it's important to remember this. And you got to know this. But finally, the most important thing, like the big deal, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Finally, finally, finally rejoice in the Lord. And, and this is no trouble for me to say to you again <laughs> and again and again and again and again. And it's safe for you. And what does that mean? It's safe for you. It means bank on it. It's safe for you. This joy, it's not going anywhere you want a solid investment, you want to buy something that isn't going to make you just buy other things, that's not just going to be fleeting, that isn't going to give you regret, that you're not going to second guess, here's a safe one that I can give you over and over and over and over again. Finally, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. He's not going anywhere. He's not fading. In, in every situation, the Lord is there. Out of all those things that have been fleeting, one of the things that, as Christ followers, you know, is whatever experience you've had with the Lord, any moment that you've had, any time you've had a deep moment with the Lord, in the midst of that moment, when you are in that spectacular place of you just received something from the Word of God, or your heart just turned to the Lord in prayer, or you saw the Lord work, in that moment, you don't think... Well, that's good, but I really would rather have such and such. Nope. <laughs> you know, as a Christ follower in that moment, it's the deepest part of who we are is being satisfied by the depth of who he is. 
And there is no greater joy. And this is why Nehemiah 8.10 says, anybody know? Awesome. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And this is where Paul's going. This is safe for you. You want strength? You want joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So rejoice. Finally, fully, completely, now, here, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, he says, uh, he follows that up with, there's danger, things that keep us from rejoicing in the Lord. Watch out for those dogs, he calls them. That's rough. Mutilators of the flesh. (laughs) We won't get into all the imagery there. It gets kind of nasty. This chapter is a nasty chapter, by the way. There's like a cuss word in this one, and uh, there really is. There's a, there's a kind of a naughty word in this passage in the, in the English. It doesn't come across nearly as naughty. Um, and, but there's, there's, he's calling people dogs. He's talking about mutilating of the flesh. It's, uh, imagery is nasty. And then he, we'll get to the, the word that he has over there. But it, it's one of, and what he's saying is there's these people. Do not listen to this stuff over here. Why? Look at it. It says, "For we uh, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And this is the whole crux of the matter here, is that there are those who will always seek to teach the Scriptures or to proclaim a gospel that calls us to put confidence in the flesh, that has dependence upon ourselves, upon our own efforts. And when that happens, our eyes, they're not seeing Jesus. What, is, what are our eyes seeing when we put confidence in the flesh? Right here. <laughs> My eyes turn inward, and instead of looking at Christ and worshiping by the Spirit and staying focused on Him, I say, what do I have to do to do the right thing for God? What's the next right thing I have to do? Okay? And then all the focus is on what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I, I? And then it just ends up being I at the end of it. It's not even about what we're doing. It's not, it just becomes about me. And we lose sight of Christ. And this is the whole thing. We lose the joy of the Lord because we're not enthralled with the presence of Jesus because we're focused on what it is that we're supposed to do. So um, this is the difficulty, um, is to put no confidence in the flesh. And so I just want to focus on that, that phrase for just a second, to put no confidence in the flesh. There are things that are easy for any one of us to put confidence in about ourselves. What do you like about yourself? Or what do you see as strength in yourself? I'm not asking what you don't like about yourself. There's all sorts of things we could also answer about that question, right? But what I'm actually asking are like, what are the assets that we have? What are the strengths that we carry? What are the things that we hold on to? Is it our brain power? 
Is it our financial resources? Is it certain talents? Is it relationships that we have? Is it our dashing good looks? Is it our, what is it that we hold on to that are things that when we try to find confidence in ourselves and try to find things that we can count on for security or that we can believe in ourselves for something that we find value in? What are those things? Try to be honest with yourself right now. Try to be really honest in, in a moment of introspection. What are things about you that are good, that you like, that you think are valuable, that maybe others have affirmed in you before and said, this is good. You're good at that. Or this is, this is something you really provide in the relationship here. This is something you offer to the body of Christ or, or to your neighbors or whatever. What is that thing that makes you you, you know? Or what are those things? Those are the things that they are most likely, many of them, gifts from God given to us. All too often, we don't see them as gifts that are given to us. We see them as things that earn us some respect or something or give us strength in who we are. And instead of those being things that cause us to worship God because they've been given to us, we think they're ours and they come from us. And so we put our confidence in them. And very subtly, something shifts in our life where we, we learn to build our lives based on those things. So I know I'm good at this. I know I'm not good at that. I know I don't have this, 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 or this. But I do have this and this. So I'll just build my life around these things because they're the things I can bank on. They're the things I can have confidence in, that I can do right. You know? Paul identifies those things in his life, the things that he's best at. And then he swears. And he says, I count them as it says garbage or filth here. It's actually, this is a very heavy word in the original. And he's saying it's much less than this is much less than, I just count them as useless. There's, there's two times he says it here. First he says, uh, he's, he talks about all this stuff, and he says, I, I count them, uh, first I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Okay, and so these things are a loss. And what that means is, is on the ledger, it doesn't mean that, um, all the things that I've done right get me nothing when it comes to grace and righteousness. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is all these things that I've done right or all these things that are things that I can put confidence in, they are not things that don't help me. They are things that work against me. They are a struggle in my life because the entire pursuit of my life is to see Jesus and yet all of these things that are valuable and that are good and that other people can see value in or I can see value in, there's a tendency within me to lean into those things and to focus on those things and to pour into those things. And therefore, they are the biggest distractions in my life from keeping me focused on Christ. If I'm really good at my career, I want to pour into my career. 
If I'm super good at relationships, I want to do that so I can gain more confidence in that. If I'm great with finances, I want to focus on the money. You know, whatever the stuff is. If I'm really good looking, I want to focus on my looks. If I'm funny, I want to think through all the funny things I can do. Whatever it is, you know. And he said, all of those things are the things that distract me from where my eyes should be focused, which is Jesus. Jesus. And so those things, I count them as loss. I count them as junk. It's not just they're useless. It is the nicest, probably the nicest translation that gets close to it is when it says dung. Right? That's that's the, uh, the, uh, King James, right? I think it says, King King James, does it say dung? So dung is the nicest translation, it's the closest to it and still nice, you know? And it says, I count it as dung. Use your imagination, except for my boys who are sitting there. Don't use your imagination. And, uh... So, and we won't talk about it this extensively at second service um, when all the VBS kids are here. But, I mean, what he's saying is this is junk. It's junk. Why? Because it distracts me from Jesus. It distracts me from Jesus. All right, so you get the point. He says he wants to know Christ, and we'll get back to that. Um, but when, after he says that he wants to know Christ and how he wants to know Christ, he also kind of comes back to the stuff that's the distraction. And he says, I'm not perfect yet, and I'm not there at that place where I'm all on Jesus yet. But what I do do is I have to forget the things that are behind me. And when he talks about forgetting the things that are behind him, that, that's both, that, that encompasses both good things and bad things. Right? Anything that's behind that would distract me from being present with God in the moment today is counterproductive. So let's think about this. On the, on the negative side of things, if, I, if, if there's things in my life that I don't like about my past, um, I can still carry the shame of those things, and therefore we can't have an effective relationship moving forward. One of the things, of course, in a counseling session, if, if there's been something damaging in a relationship, until, there gets, uh, until that relationship gets to a place where there's total forgiveness, it can only go so far moving forward. We actually have to release that stuff if we're going to be healthy moving forward into the next step. Because otherwise, our relationship is going to have this crack in the foundation. And we're always going to be, like, thinking about that thing. And anytime the one person does something wrong, it's always going to pick at that wound back there. And we're going to bring up that old stuff. And we're not going to have trust. In order for a relationship that's been broken to be restored, we actually have to be able to completely forgive and get past that stuff. And then practice consistently that forgiveness to let that go and to not be there if we're going to have health moving forward. When it comes to our own relationship with Jesus, we carry shame, and shame is when we won't let his forgiveness be enough for us, so we're still working out of a deficit. So we're still trying to work out of the hole, right? And that means that I still don't like certain things about me, and so I know God doesn't like those things, and man, I wish I was more, and who am I focusing on? Me. The gospel's not working in my life because the whole point of the gospel is to get me to focus on Jesus. And to the extent that I'm still dwelling on my sin and my shame, the gospel's not at work. Because the gospel cuts it loose and says it's gone. Don't focus on your junk anymore. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. So you've got to let it go. There's this song that I listen to and I love it. It says, 
uh, he's, this guy is singing to the devil. And he says, I don't owe you nothing now. Jesus paid it all, and I don't owe you nothing now. <laughs> and he's talking, I don't know if he's talking to the devil or to his own flesh or his own psyche, but he's like, I don't owe you anything. You can't pull my, my card and say, because you did this, then you should try to do this to make up for it. Or you should feel bad and not come into the presence of Jesus. All that's done right here, right now. Forget what's behind. You want Jesus? He's yours today, right now, because of the gospel. He's yours. It doesn't matter what you did back then. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It's gone. Let it go. Let the cross be enough. Don't try to do more than the cross, right? It was enough. It was enough. That's the negative stuff. The positive stuff sometimes is even harder to let go. This is a little bit what I was talking about when I said sabbatical. And over 15 years, you can kind of get to the place where there's kind of routines. You know, I can tell stories about things that have happened the way God has provided for our family. Great moments of faith where God called us and we stepped in. We watched God do amazing things. This church, by faith, stepped out and built this building when it was like, what? Why? And stepped out and saw God do incredible things. Our country has experienced great people in history who have stepped out in faith and done things. We, have, we come from a denomination who, back in the day, huge faith. And there's great stories back there about these moments of faith. There's all sorts of things about our personal lives that we can look back and say, man, this is that moment, that worship experience I had with Jesus. Here's that time where I said the sinner's prayer and I sensed the, the movement of God just washing me and cleansing me. Remember when I read the Bible and I had that nug? All those things can be the things that form my memory of my relationship with God. And that's good. We need memories. But they will not give me Jesus today. They will remind me that he's accessible. But give us this day our daily bread. Jesus doesn't live in yesterday. He is the God of yesterday, and he's the God of tomorrow. And he was the same yesterday and will be the same tomorrow. But if we want to meet Jesus, we don't meet him in yesterday. We meet him here and now today. And that means that all the positive things that have happened in my life, if I am leaning into those things in my relationship with God and defining my spiritual life based on things that happened yesterday or two days ago or that person I shared my faith with 10 years ago, that speaks nothing to who I am in relationship with God today. Because today, he's right here waiting for us. And if I'm kind of resting on my laurels because, yeah, I had that thing back there, I'm not actually experiencing Jesus today. I'm resting in the confidence of the flesh of things that happened back then. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets grandfathered in. You know, if you want Jesus today, you've got to find him today. And we've got to keep going after him every day. This is the seek. This is the seek. This is the yearning. This is the focus. This is the drive of our life. To know Christ. To know him. To know him. We were on the plane on the way home from conference, and it was pretty late on Thursday night, and uh, this couple came in. We, were, we sat in, and this couple came in after me, and they said, I'm in here with you. Jen and the boys were on the one side, and, uh, and I was on the other side of the aisle, and they were like, we're on the inside there with you. And I said, okay. And, and so um, she went back to the restroom, and I, I said to the guy there, I said, uh, you guys headed home, or 
headed out. And he said, uh, we're headed home. It was our honeymoon. And I was like, what? That's awesome. And he was significantly older than us. <laughs> so I was like, uh, not what I was expecting. And I was like, that's so awesome, man. I'm really excited for you, you know. And, uh, and as this whole thing was happening, I sensed God saying, I have a moment for you on the plane here. And, and I was like, okay. And so she came back in. I was actually working on this message on the plane. I was reading Philippians 3. I asked Jen to be reading Philippians 3 with me, and I wanted to have a conversation with her about it and everything. So we were reading that, and about halfway through the flight, and then I got this tug on my heart, and I knew it was like, now's the time. So I, I leaned to the woman who was sitting right next to me, and I said, so did you guys stay in the same spot for um, your honeymoon, or did you kind of travel around? And she's like, funny story. She's like, our wedding was hilarious. She's like, we just went to a Best Western, and it was a really nice Best Western, and they had a gazebo, and we got married at the gazebo. She said, it's our second marriages for both of us, and we didn't want a big to-do. She said, our lives are very different now. We just wanted some people from church and, and some friends and family to be there with us. And I was like, church, tell me about that. And so she, they live relatively local in, in our our broader vicinity, vicinity. And I said, oh, I know that church. That's a good church. And I said, uh, so did the pastor come up and, and do the ceremony for you? And she said, yeah, and some of our people from our small group and stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. And uh, one thing led to the next. And we ended up having a deep, deep conversation about the Lord. And I, I was sharing with them about sabbatical. They were sharing with me about what the Lord was doing in their life. And she said, can I pour into you right now? Can we pour into you? And I was like, do you mean pray for me? And she said, yeah. And I, and I said, well, sure. They lay hands on me. They start praying for me in this airplane in tight quarters, praying for me. I mean, praying for me, right? And then I turned around. I started praying for them for their marriage. And as I was praying, I, in my imagination, I had this picture of them where there was these two stones that were, that were, it was like two halves of one stone that was being put together and being put in the temple, in the, the living temple. And I, I started praying that, that they would become the one stone that they're meant to be that fits into the, the body of Christ. And she was weeping and she said, you have no idea. That's the same thing the Lord's been sharing with me. And she's crying. And we had this moment. And then this guy, her husband, just turns to worship right there on the airplane. He starts praising the Lord, praying, singing, praying. He has his hands out, and he's just like worshiping the Lord. And I'm like, well, this is crazy. We're having church right now. And I said, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And, and, and we're, we're just worshiping it. And they're like, well, how did this happen? And we're like, God is so good. It was such a sweet moment as we wrapped up our time at conference and as they wrapped up their honeymoon God's presence just affirmed so many things that were happening throughout the week in that moment. And when that happened, we got done this moment of prayer, and this woman says this. This is what she said. I, I, I wrote it down, so I, I want to remember. She says, to know him is to love him. How could you know him and not love him? And then she said something to the effect of, the only reason why people will not or do not love him is because they have been blinded, blinded. They cannot see him. And you cannot know him unless you taste 
and see that the Lord is good. For when you taste him, you will love him. That's what she said. And I was like, I actually said to her, I said, you want to come preach on Sunday? (laughs) I said, I'm preaching out of Philippians 3, and that's what Paul is talking about. And what he's saying is, I don't care if I'm locked in a Philippian prison or in a Roman prison. I don't care if I'm getting stoned by people throwing rocks at me. I don't care if I'm on a beach somewhere or if I—it doesn't matter— The one thing that matters is that Jesus is there in that moment with me and I will find him. I will find him in suffering or in joy and ecstasy. Circumstances irrelevant. I want to know him in his suffering. I want to know him in his power. I just want to know him. Finally, finally rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. In the Lord, it's all that matters. And it matters today. Rejoicing in the Lord is not a suggestion. And it's not a request. What is it? It's a command. And if you would let me offer it to you, it is the greatest of the commands. To love the Lord your God with everything that you've got, starting with the heart. To love Him, to rejoice in Him, to know Him, to taste, to taste. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Taste and see, experience, know, find, seek, grab, hold Him. He is our Lord. He is our satisfaction. He is our delight. The greatest of the commands. And then Paul returns again to the danger at the end of the passage. And he said, be careful. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Many live as enemies of the cross. Their God is their belly, their stomach, and their glory is their shame. And what he's saying is, There's all these distractions. There's the things that we're confident in that are distractions. There's the things that are in the past that are distractions. But in the present, there's also things that are a distraction. They're the things that our bellies want. And they're the things that our egos want. My pride, my ego, that's my glory. And it's also my shame. And my appetite whether it's for material goods, you know, whether that's for food and drink or whether that's for, for material goods, those, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you know, all those things that are in the moment calling me to look at them instead of look at Jesus. The things in the past that are telling me that, that I can just rest in that, you know. The things that are calling me to put confidence in myself. All the things that want to distract me from the beauty of Jesus right now. And he said, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly bodies and make them like his glorious body. And this is reminiscent of one of the other just spectacular passages of scripture. And I just want to read this to close us. Okay. And you can turn there with me. Um, this is, you, you, I'm sure you know this. I just want to read four verses here. This is from Isaiah 55. You've heard, this is 
been quoted in the New Testament by Jesus in many ways. And uh, this is in many ways right here. I, I think Paul is leaning into this passage. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in the rich food. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. Let's pray. We just praise your name, God. We just bless you, Jesus. There is no one like you. There is no one who forgives the way you do. There is no one who can pardon the way you do. There's no one who can cover us. God, we are a broken mess of a people. And our eyes turn to ourselves and we get so twisted and confused and convoluted. But there is one who we can look at who is always pure. And who is always greater, we worship you, Jesus. We praise you, God. Every time we look to you, our hearts melt. To know you is to love you. How could we know you and not love you? God, there are so many days where our, we have not known you and you've been available to us. There's so many times where I've sat on that airplane and not embraced the moment where I've been distracted by my own stuff. And, and God, I just thank you for the grace that each one of us has experienced in the moments where we've been able to know you in the present moment because of your grace. You've turned our eyes to you. You've put in us that repentant heart that turns away from our self-confidence, that doesn't rely on our past, that isn't just focused on the material goods and our own ego and our own pride. And we've been able to push it all away and say, where is Jesus today, right here, right now? And when we have tasted you, and when we have known you, and when we have heard you, and when we have trusted you, you have never ever failed us. You are good. You are good. Thank you for who you are. In the name of Jesus. Amen.